And welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody. Woo-hoo! What's up, Jet fans? And back in the mix, you know him, you love him, the majestic beast. The big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Krog is in the building once again. What is going on, Jet fans? Good to be back. Uh, we got a good show lined up for you, so good to be here. Happy to have you back, Wookiee. Guys, you know, we've been away for a few weeks. A lot going on in the world of me and Mike outside of the Jet world. Um, we've been dedicating our lives to this Jet podcast for years and years. We don't miss that many episodes, that many time, this amount of time, I should say, um, without putting a podcast out. But Mike had a lot going on in his life. I had a lot going on in my life, guys. Traveling around the country on a vacation also was on Family Feud with the fan, guys. Was on Family Feud. Uh, had a lot of, yep. had a good time. I can't tell anyone what the outcome was because you get in trouble if you do that. I will just say that your boy represented pretty well. Um, Steve Harvey was a cool guy. Very, very funny in between, uh, you know, when you're doing your thing. We were able to actually get on the show, be on multiple episodes. So we had a blast. I think our family, look at this, guys. Got a cue card here from the uh, Family Feud there. You can see that. <laughs> Awesome. We had to say, uh, we had to use our, we used our, our two grandparents last name, me and my cousins, we used the Lane family. So that was a lot of fun traveling around on vacation. So I wasn't as plugged into the jet world the past two weeks as I have been for the past 40 years of my life. Took a jet break, guys. Getting ready for this big year. Getting ready for this dynasty we're starting to build. Hopefully, right, Mike? That's and then right. over on Mike's side, um, Mike's family, unfortunately, a bunch of them got affected with the COVID virus. Um, and got sick. Everyone's fine. Thank God. Just want to say to everyone out there in our country, you know, whatever you do with your body, totally your choice. Everyone has um, a decision to make if they want to be vaccinated, not be vaccinated. But sometimes these decisions do affect other people when you choose not to do something or you allow yourself to maybe be manipulated by someone else's agenda one way or the other. So if you do care about your fellow man, just go get vaccinated. What's the big deal, guys? Just a shot. You're not, you're not part of a political ploy if you do. And Mike has some evidence to show you maybe that you should go ahead and get that done, guys. But hey, everyone, it's up to you what you do with your with your, with your body and with your life. But I do know 99% of people that are getting sick are unvaccinated people. So that has to say something. Right, Mike? Yeah, no. Uh, unfortunately, our family got it uh, down here in Texas. Uh, I've been, I was vaccinated last year. Same with my wife and most of our family. But um, unfortunately... Um, we all contacted it. I never got it. My parents never got it. Uh, all those who have been vaccinated, neither, neither, either got it, or if they did get it, um, they were very mild symptoms and it took off, you know, within two or three days. Um, the people who were not vaccinated, unfortunately, we have a family me member currently in critical condition in the hospital as we speak. So that's kind of like 
what I've been dealing with over the past two weeks. And, um, you know, we're just continuing to pray and hope that uh, she's able to make it through. So, hey, all I got to say is uh, I, I dealt with it straight up. And uh, me and my immediate family who have been vaccinated, we're doing great. And um, I, I would just recommend everybody look at the data, look at, look at what's out there and uh, take care of yourselves. Yeah, yeah, Mike, and uh, God bless to you and the fam, and hope everyone's going to be okay soon. Uh, prayers go out to you, man. We're all here to support you, anything you need. And, you know, another sad story that happened while I was away and while we weren't doing the shows was the passing of uh, Greg Knapp, assistant coach for the New York Jets, in a bicycle accident, which was a totally tragic situation. I know he was hanging on there for a little while and passed away. 25-year um, career. I know he was well-traveled, worked with Peyton Manning, uh, Steve Young, and Matt Ryan tweeted out, a very nice sentiment about him and his personality type of person he was. Uh, worked with a lot of a lot of different players and seemed like he was going to be a big benefit for our team this year. So that was a big loss. Not that I knew too much about him before he came to the Jets, but we just want to mention that as well before we get into some of the good stuff, which is training camp beginning. Okay, now Mike has been, guys, now Mike's been dealing with COVID. His wife, he has kids. A lot going on in his life. But this guy has not missed a second of Jet training camp. I don't know who, who he's plugged into. I don't know if he has a feed. I don't know if he has somebody there with the phone up just zooming in for him. The guy's in Texas. He knows everything that's going on. He's telling us stuff. We're finding it out two hours later from Beat Reporter. So, Michael, I'm just going to let you lead us into this. Um, the beginning of training camp, we've only had three or four practices here. I know people were stressing out a little bit about Zach Wilson's contract and this and that. Mean, mean, no, we wouldn't have a show in this, in this point, Mike, but we told everyone just to relax. Everything will be fine. He's in camp. Everything's good. Um, first day was a little rocky, but since then he's been pretty good. But what do you have to say about camp? The big stories, your big takeaways, surprises, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't you lead us off here, Mike? Yeah, so uh, camp started off last week. Thought, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, to do around nothing with Zach Wilson not showing up. In the, and, and look, unfortunately for the Jets, they had just started working on his contract the week before. Don't ask me why that is. It was offset language. And also when he was going to get his bonus, essentially he got his bonus and the offset language was kept and he's in camp and both Keith and I were just telling cats relax you know don't get all crazy we knew that he was going to be back for that Saturday practice that first one that Jet fans haven't been back for for two years now uh his first camp was kind of eh, shaky but guess what in that first camp Corey Davis shined uh, Elijah Moore shined um Coleman and P Ryan were doing really well Becton and 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 Lawson have been going at it, and that was that's that for that first day. Jared Davis looked good, um, and uh, George Fan, unfortunately, he had COVID. But then that second camp that everybody was able to see, and I was live, you know, live tweeting all the updates that I could see. Zach Wilson put on a show for the fans, and not only did he put on a show, but Elijah Moore is just out. Outrageous. I, uh -oh. I don't even know what to say, what I'm looking at right now. I'm going to tell you right now, Keith, all the updates, every single practice, there's been two players that have gotten A marks, Elijah Moore and Lawson. Lawson has been, today, he killed it. He killed it. He had three sacks. Another, he's been putting on tons of pressure and him and Becton going at it and, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. But Elijah Moore has just been out of this world um we've seen some highlights from a herndon from a 
from uh, from from the running backs. We've seen Tyler Croft do things. We've seen uh, some of these cornerbacks look. Pinnock and Eccles have their day. You know, Bryce Hall looks like he's really establishing himself as that number one cornerback back there. We see C.J. Mosley went down and weighed a little bit, and he's looking pretty good out there running around. Um, uh, Bryce Huff is looking fantastic out there on the edge. You know, we don't have Quinton Williams right now, but we should be getting him back here soon. Um, and uh, so, so far, so good. Like what I'm seeing, there's a couple of really nice stories here at camp, but there's no bigger story than one Elijah Moore. Absolutely not. Now, if you guys hearken back to our previous episode, me and Long Beach Joe got into a bit of a debate. Now that has, and the, the answer to our debate with Elijah Moore, if he's our best receiver or not, or has the chance to be, it's not answered in these four practices, of course. However, the headlines coming out of these four practices, Mike, um, is Elijah Moore, best player in camp so far. So we said he might be the best wide receiver, potentially. That might have been underselling it, right? He might be the best player so far in camp. And I'm not going to get too crazy with hyperbole. Um, but the headlines in Daily News, Jets can't ignore unstoppable Elijah Moore. Jets Moore continues to impress. Elijah Moore drawing ODB comparisons, et cetera, et cetera. Caught the 80-yard bomb from Zach Wilson. One of the things that we were hoping for in the best-case scenario with this kid, with the skill set, with the work ethic, with the acumen he seems to show on the field, all those things we were hoping for, it's all came to fruition, at least talent-wise, at the beginning of camp here. We'll see how things shake out as we keep moving forward. But Mike, he just looks like an absolute stud and looks like an absolute steal in the second round where we got him. And also a guy on the fantasy radar that I'm sure Wookiee, Michael, everyone knows about in our league. Ain't gonna oh, score our draft now when you keep seeing these big headlines with Elijah Moore, I mean. And then you get over to... Everything going on with Zach Wilson or the contract. He comes in that one Friday, Mike. I know we threw a couple of interceptions that first practice. The practices after that, I mean, you're just hearing glowing reports. And you have the statistics in front of you, Mike. But um, I think he showed in the, the, the Saturday practice when he threw the bomb to Moore. Then the, the, the practice after that also, he showed the skills that he had at BYU that got him drafted. And I was going to say, no, you're absolutely right. But the thing is, is that that Saturday practice, he had a lot of pressure on him. Right, uh, he had been held out, you know, for two days. Under not his fault. Uh, comes back has kind of a shaky day. First day in front of the fans, right? All yeah. these fans, all the media, everybody there, right? And he passed his first test of under pressure because he had to perform and he killed it. Think and about this, guys. Think about how much scrutiny you're under that literally your first practice is judged. Yeah. Oh, like, and he turned. He turned 22. I think last week, same birthday as Tom Brady. No, Literally Tim, half yeah. the. All right, maybe it was today. Was it today? Yeah, okay. Today. Um, it was today. He, he turned 22 today, half the age of Tom Brady, guys. Which is which is mind-boggling. But you think about these NFL quarterbacks, and especially in New York, with the Jets, a team that's been searching for this QB forever. I mean, the scrutiny you're under, like Mike lent itself, like Mike, like Mike said, when people might say, "Well, what do you mean he's under pressure?" I mean, even that first practice after that. You're seeing reports and blogs and people saying this and that about Zach Wilson. And I was like, wow, man, just, he's 21. A couple Last week, he's 21. He just had his first practice. Like, we got to chill. And then he improved after that, Mike. And um, I think as we get closer to this giant game, he's just going to get into more of a groove. I, I mean, I just can't wait. I just can't yeah, wait. Yeah, he was 48 for 71, 67% completion percentage so far, 745 yards, 12 touchdowns, four ends through, throughout camp so far. Today, he was a little bit up and down. But the thing is that with him, when you see him in camp, right now him and Elijah and and the the receivers are really developing a rapport. The one thing you could see in that practice on Saturday and then again on Monday is that he's spreading the ball around, Keith. Everybody's yeah. getting the ball. Mims, Crow Crowder, 
you know, uh, Cager Elijah. even had a, a reception, a big reception. Cager. Lawrence Cager's getting Cager. Cager. He's spreading the ball around. And when yeah. I, when you start seeing that, like, that's exactly what you want to see from your young quarterback, you know? So I've been pretty excited about him. Um, we do have some other news. And, Wook, I don't know if you know about this. Um, What's up? But uh, Sam Ficken is in Los Huevos. Oh, my God. History. Yeah, did you know that? Him. I mean, I know you're in touch with Senor, but did you know? I did, that not, I did not hear that yet. Yeah, Ficken is with Senor. I have in a couple, so I, 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 that's got to be the first text he's going to send me, I'd imagine. Yeah, and Senor, hey, he has his kicking academy down there. Oh, where, God. I mean, that's that's where he really does his best work is with the kickers. I mean, he brings but, a lot of scrubs back to the league, but I don't know if Ficken might be – that might be too tough of a project. Not but, that he was that bad last year, but we know Ficken's not, not the greatest kicker in the world. But did, did you, uh, Nick, see our new kicker? Matt Amendola? Uh, <laughs> No, I haven't. Who's who's, who's Nick, the new guy? He he. So they posted a picture of him. He's a, I guess he's a bodybuilder or a model or something. But uh, he has this picture and he's just like with his muscles and everything, kicking a field goal. I don't know if you saw it, but what is he? You the know, D, he thinks he, he's it's the DK weird, man. Huh? He thinks he's the DK of kickers. He's just taking you know ripped ab shots before he goes into the draft. Remember he's when? A a, remember like uh, it was like that A Rod pose thing he did in Grand Central oh, Park once. Like, Jacked on a rock like this, and he's kind of like himself like, in the mirror. Yeah, oh. like he's taking a nap and stuff. I'm gonna send you a picture of it right now, Wookie, so you could see. I didn't know you didn't know. You see didn't now, see we need. Guy. I'm not looking for some guy who's trying to get likes on Instagram. All right, we need right. someone that when it's the end of December, and it's negative five wind chill. Okay. We need the ball through the uprights. All right, guys. So I don't care if it's Nagger. I don't care if it's Amendola who wins his kicking job, man. We just need to get somebody consistent in there. Mike, one other story I wanted to point out to you I was reading about was the development. I shouldn't say the development, but the the impact Morgan Moses has already had here. And, you know, he was a captain with Washington. And I was thinking, we mentioned this when we got him, Mike, but we kind of glossed over just this one aspect of getting him because we talked about his talent, his skills, um, the size, everything like that. And we kind of went right over the leadership he's going to add to this offensive line. And, you know, we have a really young offensive line here. You have a guy that's been a captain, been in the league a long time, a vet, and he's already out there showing leadership. I mean, I read a whole article with Jonathan Franklin Myers where Moses pulled him aside in the middle of practice and said, you have a tell what you're going to do um, when it's a run play. You know, let me show you what it is. Shows him what it is, like an assistant coach. Jonathan Franklin Myers is already better now. Yeah. So these are the type of guys, and the whole article is basically about how you want to get as many guys like Morgan Moses on your team as you can. Um, and I know we signed Lawson. I know we brought in Davis and we drafted Zach Wilson and we brought in Elijah Moore and we got ABT. But I sh someone that shouldn't be lost in the mix as we get towards the beginning of the, the season here is Morgan Moses and how he's going to be kind of the, the leader of that offensive line, which has a tremendous amount of talent now, which we're not used to, Mike. But I think we didn't have somebody that's a true vet who has been good in this league for a long time. These young guys can look to. And now we have that guy out there at right tackle. We do. And he's been playing very, very well at right tackle. And I think that type of leadership is was solely needed uh, uh, based on who we had in the offensive line. I think that um, when Fant gets back from COVID, um, they're going to have a pretty strong battle there for the right tackle position. I personally think, you know, the, I think that Fant is going to end up, I don't know. I feel like Fant's going to win it just because his contract says it should. But I don't you know what? In the end, I, I, think, I, think, I think I think they're going to just pick the right player, and and that's it. You know? Yeah, like, you can't you can't make that decision. Robert Sala is not making that decision based off contract. 
Yeah. Uh, I think you go out, you see who plays best in the field. I think Morgan Moses is a much better player than George Font. So um, I don't think they would have signed him if they wanted just to bring a backup in. I think you look at it as you look at those, you look at those two contracts almost as like, all right, one guy's making eight or nine million, one guy's making five. Just in your mind, it doesn't matter which one of those guys is a starter. Just put the best guy out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's what you go for. And, and I think one, that's uh, that's what they should. That, that's what they'll definitely do. But Morgan Moses, no doubt, has been a great. And it's great to have the three of them there. So in case one of them goes down, you know, the other one is there. And all that talk about Becton with his foot, his plantar fasciitis, and with his weight and the ESPN uh, headline that are don't eat yourself into mediocrity. You know, all that stuff coming into camp. And Becton has never looked more monstrous and stronger and better yeah, he than he looks right he now. Oh, he looks phenomenal. Yeah, looks and that phenomenal. first day, I saw a lot of reports about Carl Lawson doing, you know, working against him. I mean, Carl Lawson, just such a unique, what a, just a unique specimen out there. 6'2", 265, one of the strongest, fastest DNs he's going to go against. Um, not not the one of the biggest, but just the size and speed combination is very difficult. He's probably not going to go against someone that kind of size coming off the edge all year. And then Lawson's not going to go against many tackles as big as Becton. How many are there? Right. So I think both ways that's going to be beneficial. Well, that first day Lawson was getting the better of him. Um, but I know the reports I've heard about Becton. He looks great in tremendous shape. I don't think the injuries are going to be a concern this year. You also, you see it when you, when you see a lot of these pictures out there, Michael. You see Morgan Moses right next to him. Just giving right. him the wisdom. Giving him the wisdom in his ears, just telling him, "Hey, look, man, you did, you're great. You're gigantic. But how about you do this like this? I've been doing it nine years, pal. You know." And uh, giving him those little tips. He's a, and Morgan Moses had, a, had another funny quote because he's a big boy. He's six six two. You know, he's six six three thirty, and he was like, "Man, Beckton's another level of big. I mean, that's just a, that's the biggest Jeez. human. And he's he the is. biggest. He is. He he actually even almost said something about blocking out the sun, which I feel like he might listen to our show because we've been calling Beckton the Walking Eclipse since day one. Don't yeah. steal our material, Morgan Moses. Okay, we like <laughs> it. We, we copyrighted that, all right? So don't try to steal our stuff from us. We're waiting on Quinn Williams to get into the mix here, Mike. They said um, two weeks until he's back. He'll be back before that second. I think the second um, preseason game, I believe, is versus the Packers. Um, I think he's going to be back for that game. Had surgery, I think, was on a bone in his foot. So he should be back. So we'll just wait on Q. We already know what Q is. That's why the guy on the squad, that you, you, you know what you're going to get from that kid. That kid's going to be a beast. He's going to be tearing it up. Um, and then when I was looking over at the defense also, Mike, you see your boy out there, Bryce Hall, has been doing pretty good. And looks like more than likely either the first or second cornerback spot's going to be his to take. Um, and then it's kind of a mystery what's going to go on with the rest. Pinnock, yeah. J- uh, Dunn, we don't know how it's going to shake up. LaSawn Austin's still there. I know he was hurt, but LaSawn Austin's still in the mix. So a lot to be determined there. And I don't think, especially at the beginning of training camp, um, you're not going to really know too much. These first three, four, five, six practices. But I think as we get towards that second preseason game, we'll have a much better idea what's going on. Yeah, uh, Pinnock has doing been doing pretty well. Uh, Eccles has had some time. But uh, Austin had a very good day today. And um, I'll tell you, if Austin continues to, to hold it down like he did today, you know, he has a pretty good shot at, at being the second cornerback starting there. But um, and you know what I, I want to say, Mike, about that real quick is just – we won. This is a couple, like a month or two ago, we were debating when we had Harrison on here too. And you guys were talking about Bryce Hall as the number one, and that might end up being correct. Um, and then when I mentioned Blasson Austin, it was almost like looked at as like an afterthought as a player. You know, oh, who cares about Blasson Austin? And I pointed out when he, you know, his end of 2019, he had a stretch where he played better than any of the corners we have on the team now. He was one of the top ranked just for five or six games. But Bryce Hall, none of these guys have ever done that. So we've, my point, my only point when I said that was we've seen in a small sample size him be really really good Austin and he took a step back last year you're definitely right especially with the tackling uh, more than anything so if he could just get himself back up to you know where he was playing or even close to where he was playing at the end of 2019 we might be in decent shape at corner and who knows someone yeah, could yeah. it could be a dark horse coming out there too like a Dunn like a Pinnock 
out of nowhere who ends up stepping up. Usually fifth round corners don't end up being, you know, super elite. But if we're playing, and as you know, Michael, not to get too much in the weeds, Wookie will know this better than me. If you're playing a cover three, which is more um, like a zone coverage on defense, that means that linebackers and safeties are dropping back further, less pressure on the defensive backs, put a lot of pressure on your defensive line. So we just need guys to be adequate. You know, we don't need we don't need three Richard Sherman's out there. We just need dudes to be adequate at their jobs with the type of defense we're going to run. And I think um, when this shakes out, we're going to have enough guys, and we have enough young guys out there that we wound up with pretty decent cornerbacks, at least for the type of defense we're going to be running, Mike. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think in a perfect world, Austin wins that number two spot. Uh, the youngins get to wor uh, work behind the starters uh, and develop even further. I do think that that slot cornerback spot is going to be a toss-up between Michael Carter and our boy Javelin Gidry. So far, both have done really well uh, in camp so far. Hounza Nanzaldeen is uh, starting at the week. It looks okay. like it looks so so far. He's been running more with the ones. Uh, so we're I think one of the major stories out of camp so far are how many rookie starters we're going to end up happening having. Um, Nick, I'm going to ask you a question. So we're going to potentially have our weak side linebacker, our slot corner, our second corner, potentially three, maybe there. We're going to have Elijah Moore definitely starting. I can tell you that right Four. now. We're going to have um, Zach Wilson, uh, Zach Wilson, who's there, who's going to start. Vera We're Tucker, have our gold Vera Tucker, who's going to start. So that's what that's six right now that I've got six rookies. Wow. We're going to have a kicker, a, a rookie kicker. OK, uh, who's so also that's a model. Seven, right. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then who's a model. And then right? what if Michael Carter becomes a starting running back? And then and then Michael Carter is most likely going to be the starting rival. So we're going to have we're going to have it looks like we're going to have eight potential starting rookies in 2021. My question to you, Wookie, is can a team be successful running that many rookies out there as a start? It's tough. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's going to be question. tough, but it, it depends on the rookies and it depends on the coaching staff. True. Uh, you guys got a really good coaching staff there. Uh, so if they're going to I mean, I'm sure they, they, they're going to find a way to develop each rookie as best as possible because they know exactly the same thing you just said, Mike. We're going to have eight guys potentially that just got into the league that are going to be starting for us this year. So there's going to be lumps. There's going to be setbacks, obviously. But as long as these kids can pick it up quick, and I'm sure they drafted them for those reasons, um, it could be interesting. I mean, if nothing else, it's going to build you know confidence for the, the following years. Yeah. Yeah. And, Wookie, what did you think today when you saw that – the Giants had a gigantic brawl at practice, and your quarterback is at the bottom of the pile. I I, I put it on the chat today. I just like I envision like Daniel Jones rising from the ashes and trying to like pull people's hearts out, like Kali Ma. Right? <laughs> like, like he just got. Like, what are you doing? Like I understand you, you you're one of the guys. You're sticking up for whatever the offensive guys, but how are you at the bottom of the pile? Yeah, the Giants. And this that is this. You got there first. That's usually the guy at the bottom of the pile is in the mix, the mix yeah. of the beef, right? And the, now this is, and we've talked about this, our friends were joking around today. There's no bearing on how the season's going to be. I think the Giants watch will be pretty good this year. But so far, training camp has been wild for you guys. Oh, my God. Kelvin Benjamin, he he did come in looking like not not in the best shape, at least, you know. <laughs> no. Um, he took it out on Joe Judge. He didn't like some of the, maybe the, uh, the harsh criticism Joe Judge, or maybe not even Joe Judge, maybe some of the strength and conditioning coaches, whoever gave him. Indicative of kind of the athletes in 2021 now. You don't have any accountability. You just 
bashed everybody else. You know, we, we will yeah. get big picture stuff. We're not going to talk about Simone Biles at this moment. Don't Joe Judge made you come into camp looking like Tony Todd just yeah. on a, a three-day food binge. And you always like to hear that they're feisty at camp, but you don't want to force oh, yeah. to fight. Of so course. I, would love, I would love to. When the details come out tomorrow, I'd love to know what happened with that brawl. Yeah. I, you know, normally the brawls you see, there you see a, a, a one unit versus another unit. You see the, the fight, pitter-patter out, and then it's 30 seconds. So this giant ball yep. apparently was like West Life Story. You know, oh, it's like God. just all hell is breaking loose. So uh, Walked up snapping fingers at each other. And <laughs> One thing, the offense, the offensive line looks like it has been constructed the way um, the way they had they designed or had they had thought of it with the run blocking. So far, it looks like it's working, but we had a bad incident today uh, dealing with uh, one of our our uh, offensive lineman, Clark, Cam Clark, he got popped and uh, he went down and he couldn't feel his legs for oh, a little bit and uh, ended up in the hospital. It ended up being a bruise and a contusion. He should be fine, make a full recovery. But that was a scare that happened at, at practice today. So speedy recovery is... to Cam. Yeah, what what else did we see today, guys? Um, yeah, I hope you get better soon i you know he was a, a draft pick maybe we were counting on to be some good good backup depth this year um and when i saw that initial report you, you fear the worst and i'm happy this is going to be okay another report came out today guys what team was it where someone laid a hit on someone and got released today oh i i know exactly what you're talking about i can't remember the uh the team though they yeah um, immediately released after after the project. matt rule oh it was Ca carolina panthers guys carolina, oh yep. right carolina panthers. yes so, here, here is Sam Darnold out there just trying to make his way with a new team. Throws a pass to someone. The guy gets decapitated. And the guy who hits him gets thrown off the team. I mean, he just can't avoid just drama and madness, this poor kid. But the, the hit in itself, like, you have to wonder. I mean, you just have to wonder, like, human beings just have to, like, I don't, it just blows my mind that you're on the same team. And I know someone's out there trying to make an NFL roster. Um, but apparently this hit was egregious enough and dirty enough that that dude got cut immediately. Winning player was JT eBay or something of that nature. Either way, you never want to see that, man. When your team's, it's, it's, it's like team on team crime there. Right. You, know, you don't want anyone getting wiped out um, by your own teammate. And that's going to be hard to find another NFL team to pick you up when you do stuff like that. It's like some of the off the field stuff players do, they excuse, but the on the field stuff like that sometimes is hard to excuse. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I don't know what's going to go on with that guy in his future, but yeah. if anybody even comes near Elijah Moore, and does something like that, I, Mike. I, I'll give it. I'll give it all up. All <laughs> the dog. Everything. Well, so, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so, so far, Jet Camp, everything has been looking pretty good. I mean, some of the major things that you're looking at right now, Zach Wilson's velocity pops. Like you can see it. People are like, "Wow, this kid can throw off his back leg and still make these insane throws." You know, across the middle of the field. Um, Denzel Mims running with the threes caused a lot of stir, but today he ran with the ones. Yeah, there you go. So you never, you know, you don't really know. And the whole, you know, the way I look at it again, yo, we're going to see two weeks from now when we play the New York Giants, what the, you know, what the deal is to start. And then we'll see in the second game, you know, yeah. and look, you always, I love your, you, you know, what you said about cream rises to the top. If any of these guys are really good, it's just going to be apparent that they're good and they're going to play because really we just said they're going to be like eight rookie starters. Everybody could start, just yeah. go out there and execute. You know what I'm saying? It's a brand new offense. Now, how do you feel Keith and Nick about these fans that are at the practices 
And at first, like, I really liked the fact that I could see these videos, right, of my team. And I'm like, oh, but then I thought to myself, like, yo, I don't know if I want this out there because, like, teams can just look and see what they're doing. You know what I yeah. mean? And, like, this is a new team. Like, no one knows what the hell's going on here. You know what I'm saying? And I'm kind of like, and I know, I understand now why the Jets don't want you taping anything. Um, but I don't know. What do, what do you what do you think about that? I like well, seeing You know what? I think... Um when it comes to the public practices i think they're smart enough to know they're not going to be giving away game plans or anything like that you do allow i'm, I'm sure i mean i bet you the patriots have a fan at every single stadium in the country you know i'm sure i'm sure they have i'm sure they have multiple people filming every single team in the entire nfl um but i think the public practices they're smart enough to know not to kind of give away game plans whatever but you can still see talent i mean anyone could could have gone to these jets practices and watched and said wow that guy number eight looks like he's pretty good you know elijah moore so i mean you do give away a little bit you give other teams maybe a first crack or a first look at the talent you do have but i think the nitty-gritty of what they're going to do is maybe those closed practices when you really see what the deal is hopefully at least um you think they're smart enough to do that and i know it's 2021 though it's hard to keep those fans out hard, hard to keep anything out of, out of people's how to give any information out of people's hands nowadays um now more than ever i think what do you think Wook? when it comes to the fans being there you don't you think there's any way they can give away anything you'd rather be more covert in these practices or are you cool with it no i mean like you said they're public practices for a reason they're i mean you're getting vanilla of vanilla of vanilla every team that i mean i'm, I'm assuming every team holds public practices maybe new england doesn't because they're weird but um yeah, you're not going to get it. Like, but, but like you did say, you can get, you know, you can get to see specific players. Um, uh, just like the, the Jet Scouts. Any other team could, could have a scout, you know, stopping by. Oh, Elijah Moore's really good uh, when he breaks off his route doing XYZ route. And he's not that good of coming out of his break on this. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that to be said. But I think it's just, I think it's, like you said, it's it's all going to be vanilla. They know it's, they're, they're trying to put on a show for the, you know, the, 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 the people that came out. And you're you're getting you're getting a glimpse of what the athleticism of the team is going to be. Yeah, and I should be there. I should be in attendance on Monday, Mike. Gets oh me. boy, I can't sneak, wait. Trying to sneak my on the phone. Ground. Trying to sneak my phone out. Get some footage for us there. Um, go to Floral Park. Check that out. See what the deal is. One guy or two two injury reports to touch on before we uh, get out of here, Mike. Vinny Curry, Ashton Davis. Looks like both of them might miss Week One, so we might not see them all in the preseason here. Now, Ashton Davis's situation. I mean, he could be labeled so far as a bust yeah. for where we took him, Mike, and what we've gotten back from him. It seemed, you heard people talking about, and when we got him, you looked at the, the speed. You know, he was an NCAA track runner. The guy's tremendously fast, hit hit like a ton of bricks. Everything about him seemed great, the intangibles. Hasn't been able to stay too healthy. Also, when he was healthy, didn't make too much of an impact. Are we classifying that pick at this point, Mike, before this guy turns it around as a bust? Well, you know, right now, um, I wouldn't say yet the actual b word but it is definitely 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 trending there let me let me the got the, the the pick that jd made in his first draft that i thought was definitely a bust the one that i had the least liking on actually is rising right now keith and that's one james captain morgan last oh three practices pretty nut pretty good Pretty good. He's outplaying. So, there's no question he's outplaying White right now, which is not really saying much. Yeah. But the last three practices, and we're going to see him for the first time against the Giants, like you and me and all Jet fans live. Like we, it's crazy because we're going to see Zach. We're going to be amped. And then we're going to see the backup. We've never even seen him before. Like we've been yeah. waiting to see this cat. You know what I'm saying? So I've been l l listening and uh, to the practice reports. And from what I'm hearing, 
He's looking pretty much better than what he was before. Again, uh-huh. no one's riding him or anything, but he was the guy I was the lowest on. P. Ryan also looks like he's doing a little bit more, but Cam just got hurt. We know yeah. he's a guy. Zaniga hurt. Chuma Doga hurt. I, you know, and I'm like, Chuma. You know, Chuma, I mean, he sounds like, I, I don't know. I'm, it's making Mike. You know what it is? We touched on this a couple months back when I said to you, I don't think, at this point at least, that l- last year's draft class is, we still, the jury's still out. I mean, Becton, Bryce Hall looks like it could be something too. Okay. So besides that, and Mims also could be we'll something. But yeah. We don't have no one besides Becton right now. I mean, you could say, though, we know is going to be an NFL starter. Agreed. Bryce Hall could be, could be. And so could Mims. Mims could be tremendous. But a lot of don't the other guys. The punter. Are, yeah. Oh, well, don't forget. Our, you know what? I left him out of the mix. I, I shouldn't forget about our boy Brayden, man. LeBron James punting. Now, last year was just. Last year was an aberration. I think the rest of his career is Hall of Fame level. I think last year he was average. I think this year's draft class has potential just to blow last year's out of the water. Just you, you mentioned all these starters already, Mike. If that comes to fruition, um, that would be nuts. With that, I mean, I wouldn't want. I'd hope it wouldn't happen, but it could end up being where we have eight or nine or seven or six or seven or eight guys starting that are rookies, which bodes well for your future um, because they're all young there and rookie contracts also have to salary cap too. Let me let me say something else because I'm going to say something a little bit outrageous, Nick. Here we go. Don't be surprised, Elijah Moore is one of the top two rookies of the year this year. Don't be surprised. Don't be, don't, don't, don't think that it, because what we're seeing right now, like, and you know what's crazy, Nick? How is a, how is a receiver like AJ Brown crying the day Elijah Moore got drafted? Like, yo, you better than me, man. You're better than me. I learned from you. I was like, I don't, I don't understand it. AJ Brown, like, AJ Brown, you know what I'm saying? This yeah. dude crying over this cat, like, yo, you better than me. You you taught me. I see Odell Beckham Jr. I just sent it to Keith. He's like, yo, y'all better, y'all better buckle up. Like this dude is Eli Morris for real. I'm now, like, Michael, what is this? This is why, and Wookie, I don't know if you saw the last episode we had when I got in my little debate with Long Beach show. The reason and Mike, Mike, you know, Mike wasn't in the debate with Joe and I, but Mike and me are in agreement with how we feel about Elijah Moore, which is that he has a chance to be great. And that's basically what I was saying, where Corey Davis up until last year was a disappointment by right. all measurements where he was drafted by anyone's, by even every single writer in Tennessee. And then last year, I know it's a run-first offense, still didn't have a 1,000 yards. So he, Corey Davis, but he's been in the NFL four years, been decently productive. But Elijah Moore's ceiling. I mean, there's not comparable, these ceilings, where he can do no, all the things no. he can do on the field. It's, um, that's a reason it's me It's reason AABG's all in on Elijah Moore. Yeah. Oh, of course. Why we said oh, I yeah. think he'd be the best receiver on the team already. He hasn't played a game yet. Nick, it's, it's off the charts. You, yeah, I mean, what you saw in college was ridiculous speed and a kid who does not drop balls and who run routes perfectly every single time he's out there. Um, I don't know. The only drawback they said was, that, you know, he kind of pulled an Odell Beckham and did something in the, in the end zone once. But that's the only thing you saw. Every practice, he's just been a star, okay? And Corey Davis hasn't done it. Mims hasn't done it, you know. Uh, we've seen a really great stuff out of Keelan Cole, by the way. He's also had some rapport. Barrios has had some games. But Moore has just been off, off the chain. And look, I gave an example, and one of the people, one of my friends listened to it, and he's like, why would you say that? I gave an example about what I saw when I watched the documentary, The Last Dance, about Michael Jordan. And 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 I want to repeat, I am not saying Elijah Moore is Michael Jordan at all, okay? Right. That's not what I, I'm using a concept. And that concept is, 
when the Bulls drafted Michael Jordan and he got to practice, it was very apparent that he was the best player on the court. All the, and it says it, they were like, yo, what is this? Like, they right. could, he, he, it was apparent. And what I was trying to explain on, to Long Beach Joe was right now, it is apparent that Elijah Moore is the best talent on the field. He is. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, just look at the practices. He's killing it. He's better yeah. than everybody by a good amount, too. Okay? So, oh, do you want to officially say he's the best? Whatever. We'll see. What we'll I've seen it. so far, there's no – it's hands down. He's yeah. the most best talent receiver-wise out there. Yeah, and you got to go out in the field and you got to prove it. And, uh, you know, that, that was one of um, Joe's points, which I totally understand. But I think when you think about rookies and you project them in your mind, what they're going to be, um, where I saw this kid and where Mike sees him is being, at one day, being an elite receiver in the NFL. And we got him in the second round, which is just, you know, a steal and a half. So, oh, Joe, Douglas, Joe Douglas, kudos to you. I've already started the GoFundMe for the statue, as you know, Michael. We don't have that many donations yet, but uh, we're getting there. And cool. So it was good to have the whole team back. I didn't even rep my my new Becton I got going, guys. I, <laughs> I got in the mail. It's coming. Coming from somewhere in, in Manchuria out there. Coming our way. Um, guys, tremendous episode. Michael, if anyone does want to get at us, support us, be involved in the AEBG world in any way, shape, or form, how could they do that? Well, you can follow us on Facebook at AEBG.jet radio on twitter at aebg underscore nyj podcast and on instagram at jet.aebg you heard the man on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of texas and the big stinking wookie nicholas cronk my name is keith farrell get at you next week everybody peace out